welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how investors are changing their portfolios in response to the government's recent tax changes. Now, the wonderful thing is that once that happened, even though the tax changes are not wonderful, but once they were announced, we started launching a service to help investors review their portfolios. Now, Andrew spent the last couple of weeks diving deep into investors from around the country into their portfolios. And we're going to talk about the changes that people are making and how they've decided on those changes based on their individual situations. The idea behind this episode is that if we can pull out some case studies of how a couple of investors wherever they're based around the country, the changes they're making, then you can decide, well, what are the sort of changes that perhaps I need to make as well? So Andrew, introduce us your first wee case study and then let's walk through the changes that are being made. Before I go into that, I just want to say it's been really interesting going through this and really cool meeting some of the investors that we've worked with or investors that we haven't worked with that have just got a large portfolio and just need to understand what these changes mean because it's really hard to kind of get the information out there and understand and a few of these people commented that they've gone to their account and they just don't have the answers really yet. It's been hard to get the answers and probably this time of year isn't very helpful and it's been really inspiring to see some people with some really impressive portfolios and we've worked with some really great investors that have taken their portfolio to, you know, I think the largest so far has been about nine properties. And that was within a relatively short period of time. They really kind of doubled their portfolio in the last couple of years working with us, which has been really cool. Anyway, so the first one, just a younger guy, early 30s, and one owner occupied and four rental properties. And That's uh, good for a young guy in his 30s. Really good. And you know, quite a low level of debt overall would be my first kind of comment. Managed to pay off one in full. Uh, another one's got a wee bit of debt on, which is owner occupied, later on become a rental. And we've worked on some worst case scenarios when we looked at the numbers. So we've added in all sorts of assumptions. So we've looked at what inflation rate looks like, what long-term rental inflation looks like, and we've discounted that. And we've added in depreciation so that you can mitigate some of the tax that you're going to have to pay. We've looked at a longer-term interest rate. Ed has built an amazing tool for this, which is only available through the review service, not a free tool, this one. But um, having said that, I do want to jump in and say it's very, very similar to the one we've publicly released. I, it is, uh, yeah, a really, really similar. It just, it just kind of accounts for lots more properties and, and looking at a portfolio overall. So whereabouts are these properties based? These are all in Auckland. Obviously, with Auckland, generally speaking, you get a much higher growth, but a much lower yield, generally speaking, unless you're looking at apartments or something like that, or room-by-room rentals. And so that was probably true for this portfolio, but because it's a portfolio that's been built over a number of years, and as I said, the debt level is quite low on some of these properties, when we look at the before and afters, it's bad, but it's not too bad. So I looked at firstly the cash flow. And I'm going to try and get this really easy so that it's easy to understand on on the podcast rather than kind of looking at the numbers. The portfolio had a cash flow of $164,000 positive over the next 15 years. And all of these properties are paying back P&I. So actually reducing debt and still has $164,000, allowing for vacancy, allowing for maintenance, all those kind of things. That's really good. That's really, exceptional. Really good. Government comes along, dun, dun, dun. And now we're... Negative 20 is the worst case cumulative over the next 12 years. So it is not a significant top up. It's probably something quite manageable for this particular guy. But it's a lot of money that he doesn't have anymore. $184,000 that's gone to the IRD and not in his back pocket. Exactly, especially with that low debt level. So he probably could find that kind of two grand a year, which is what roughly 
$40 a week to put away for these properties so that he is able to neutralize that cash flow or pay that additional tax. But you to lose 180 grand, a lot of money that's gone down and only on four properties. Yeah, four rentals. Yeah. And so then one of the things that I looked at is I don't like my properties to cost me a whole lot of money, particularly as I'm building a portfolio. And I'd imagine this guy wants to build his portfolio even more over the next few years. So that was a real consideration for me. And so when we were looking at the numbers and playing around with different scenarios, I turned one of them to interest only. So just one property to interest only to try and improve that cash flow. And the property that I chose to turn to interest only changed that cash flow from negative 20K over 12 years to positive 82 in 15 years. So it actually brings in a whole lot more cash just by doing that. Now, obviously, the net position in 15 years, the net asset position in 15 years changes because you're not paying down debt. Now, it was $4.8 million. It's going to be roughly 100k off that. So going to 4.7, it's not the end of the world. And that's a mix of forecasting that those three other investment properties are still going to be on P&I and you're going to get capital growth across the five properties, the four investment properties plus the owner-occupier that he's got. Yeah, but just one thing that kind of as we're talking about these things, debt is cheap today and it won't be cheap forever. Well, it probably will be cheaper than what we've seen in the past, but it won't be as cheap as it is today forever. So one consideration as we've been doing this that's come up time and time again is do I actually want to pay down debt or do I just want to improve my cash flow? And then do I want to take that extra money and invest in something else so I've got diversified investments? So one of the other services that we've introduced as a subsidiary is the ability to invest in other asset classes like managed funds or shares. And so that gives people the option of, okay, well, now if I have got another $82,000 over 15 years or if I put everything on interest only, it'll be significantly more. And then if I put that into something else, what does that make my overall position look like? And I think that's a really good idea for investors as well. And the good thing about sort of shares and managed funds is they're liquid. You've got access to a whole bunch of cash if you need it. And I think that you know someone like this will be retired probably by the time he's 40, to be honest. Amazing. That'd be fantastic. And just to define liquidity for anybody who's brand new to investments, that's with property. Property is a very, what we call, illiquid asset because it's going to take you two months to sell it and get the cash out. Whereas a share, for instance, well, you could sell that today and turn it into cash pretty quickly. One thing I just want to point out with this specific example is because the interest deductibility changes are really a tax on debt, the fact that this guy was in quite a good debt position because he'd been paying down principal and interest because those properties had improved in value over time, he was probably in a relatively good cash flow position. If he had borrowed at 100% for all of those and hadn't seen some capital growth, hadn't paid down some debt potentially, it would have been in a worse cash flow position because, again, it's a tax on debt. So walk us through the next one, Andrew. What other changes are people making? So the next one is a yeah, sort of a quirky one. So this is an investor that I've been working with for a number of years, and we were actually using the cash flow from his portfolio. So over the next 15 years, it was about $300,000. Positive. Yep, $300,000. And we were wanting to get that to a level where it was actually 277 and we were wanting to get that to a point where it was going to replace his income. And we were thinking it was probably- How big is his income? That's over 15 years. Oh, I, I, sorry. Yeah. For a second, I was like 277 yes, a, no, no, a year. No, 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 no. And so we're actually going to do that by selling down assets and using, as some of you might have heard me say before, the snowball effect where you use your surplus to pay down properties and then you move on to the next one and the next one and the next one as mortgage paid off, so all of that money as well. 
Unfortunately, it's going to go down to 139,000, so it's significantly less. Now, in this case, he has got a very strong income right now. And so what we're going to do in this instance, and to be fair, all of the properties that he's bought have been brand new. So we're treating them as existing properties as a worst case scenario and using that interest phase out. If Ed and I petitioning at Parliament results in a broad definition and they accept that, yes, well, they bought them new, so they are new, then obviously we don't have as much of an issue or we don't have an issue at all. We're still on track. But what we're actually looking at doing now is using his increased equity over the last few years to go and buy some high yielding properties. So in this case, we're actually going to look at some apartments in Auckland. They're dual key apartments that generate about $15,000 each a year. He's going to look at two of those and we'll probably look to add another one in Wellington, which will give him enough money to more than replace that and actually speed up the plan. So whilst he sees this as a negative, if it does affect him, he's also thought, well, actually, I'm just going to, this is going to put a boot up my but to actually go and invest some more. So we're going to do two now and, and probably another one in, in, in a year's time. And these take a bit longer to get on stream because they're Auckland investments. But because we've got four years for the phase out period of the interest deductibility, we are going to be able to kind of just manage that so that it kind of comes on stream as those are being phased out. What are you forecasting in year one, a dual key apartment, say in Auckland, would earn each week? That's about $20,000. Per year? Once it's complete, $20,000 with 100% borrowing. Per year, that's pretty good. That's $400 a week. $15,000. What did I say before? Did I say you said 20 grand. Yeah, no, I so $300 positive. Yep, correct. That's exceptional. Whereabouts would those properties be? In the middle uh, of the city? Were, those were in Ellerslie. Interesting. Probably wouldn't be doing city centre right now. There's too much competition. Yes, okay, okay. But still, that's phenomenal positive cash yep. flow per week. I know some other room-by-room rentals, realising that these are dual-key rather than room-by-room, I believe we were forecasting about $200 per week at different times. So yeah, that's the plan there. So we're just working on that. He's working through his portfolio plan at the moment, making sure that that works for him. And then all going well, he'll uh, look at signing two properties next week to make that work. And just to confirm, how many properties has he got now? He's got six rental properties. Cool. And so he's going to buy an extra three to get that cash flow up to. What will it be over that 15-year period? So it was 277, or just just shy of 300, got pushed down to, I think, I can't remember what you just said, 100 and something. So that'll get it up to 589,000 from the 139, having 10,000 extra per property per year. That's quite significant. That's quite a, quite enormous. But I suppose that shows the value of very high yielding properties. And is he still going to take the strategy then of keeping it all on interest only for as long as possible? Absolutely. But he'll probably just sell some of the growth properties a little earlier. But he's going to have three more properties that are going to be getting, whilst they're lower growth, they'll still be getting growth to add into the plan. Cool. So the idea then might be that he sells some of those properties that have increased in value over time, take the equity or the sale proceeds after he's paid off that mortgage and put that potentially towards the yield property, decrease the expenses, the mortgage expenses, so he's got a higher passive income. Great. Fantastic. Hey, this would be really interesting. I think we should do more of this. It's a great, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And actually, whilst I said I'd only see the first 10 or 15 people, I've extended that. I think I'll sit on a few more. Fantastic. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, send us a text on 5522. You can still text us. I'm interested to hear whether you enjoyed this episode and whether we should do more of these digging into specific situations and thinking, well, what are the changes or what are the tactics that we're going to use in order to improve that cash flow position or respond to those government changes? 
So Whip Out Your Phone send us a text 5522. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.